Dave and Bacon Safety Tales, the only industrial safety podcast that brings you common sense advice on job site safety, standards, regulations, and industry best practices without putting you to sleep. Welcome to Dave and Bacon Safety Tales, episode three. Once again, I'm Fred Redunzel. Um, Quad City Safety, working uh, alongside my, my partner here, not a partner like that, but my partner, Dave White. Um, Dave, say hello. Hey now. Hey, hey. So today, in episode three, uh, we're going to talk about a, a topic that really confuses the piss out of me. As a matter of fact, I, I barely even know what we're talking about, so this should be interesting. Um, PPE. For chronic versus acute hazards, basically the gist of it, what I'm figuring is, means short-term versus long-term hazards. So Dave, can you kind of explain the terminology to me? Well, I mean, explain it to Fred. Most people, when we sit there and we talk about a hazard, everybody thinks that it's the thing that stops the, you know, it's the bulletproof vest that the day that uh, somebody's getting ready to walk up and rob us and they. They shoot us in our bulletproof vest that that was the personal protective equipment and it stopped the bullet. Well, not all situations happen that quickly. So when we say happen that quickly is it can be something that we're ingesting, whether it's, you know, not having a respirator on and sucking something in over years and years and years, it doesn't show up. So an acute hazard is something that happens immediately. That, you know, if, it's, if we're going to fall, it's fall protection that stops it right then. Um, it could be, I shoot you, the bullet kills you. Correct. It's, okay. it's, it's, a, it's a now hazard. So personal protective equipment can be meant to stop something that's going to legitimately happen right now. So obviously if I'm running a grinder and I have my eye protection on, that is going to stop the acute hazard from happening. Meaning something that's gonna, you know, that glancing blow from the shard or whatever might hit our eye. Um, But when we start talking about chronic, the problem is is chronic hazards are the ones that are looked over. It's something that happens over time. It's not something that, you know, we walk into an industrial situation and I don't know, there's some kind of off gas and we know it kind of smells a little funny, a little icky, but we still go to work every day and we breathe it in, you know, day two, we don't smell it anymore. Day five, the only reason that we ever even know it happens is because of the new guy. And 30 years later, uh, we're walking around and we're growing grapes off of our neck or something. And it's because we didn't use personal protective equipment for a chronic exposure or something that happens over time. And it can be, you know, it can be a glove. So let's say we're sticking our hands daily into methyl ethyl death, methyl ethyl ketone. Methyl ethyl ketone, not a good, <laughs> not a good situation if you're sitting there kind of, 
you know, bathing in it daily. It's it's not great, but it's pretty fun to say. Like, well, that sounds oh, pretty it, good. It, Methyl ethyl ketone. The, it's probably one of the yeah, one of the easier hazards to roll off the tongue than you know some of the other ones. Yeah, you know, <laughs> and but you can't spell methyl ethyl ketone. Yeah, but you versus can't spell carcinogenic. It. Right. You know, some of those are easier, but yeah, some of the other keep you know the compounds that. Are not good for us. Uh, I'm not even going to try. You know, with my southern accent, it's probably going to sound like a bunch of garbage anyway. So, okay, we'll not go there. It's gotta, you have to look it up on the periodic table to pronounce some of the uh, subwords. Typically, not the periodic table. Yeah, there's stuff on the periodic table that's not good for you. But <laughs> typically, it's a compound, which a compound is uh, more than one of those little. Uh, combinations off. Well, of that's what I mean for like the subwords. Subwords. So you got like the. The first part, the second part, the third part, you might... and eh, whatever. I'm a moron. Anyways, so... this I don't one, think you're a moron all the time. Well, when it comes to methyl ethyl ketone and the hazards of it... If you're bathing in it, yeah, you're, it's, you're an idiot. <laughs> it's going to take some time. might uh, help you grow some grapes on your neck, as yeah, you said. Just, yeah, I mean, you're just... Uh, anytime you're in that stuff, you know, whether it's carcinogenic or stuff that over time... Typically, your body gets it and kind of, you know, kind of goes yuck, and then you kind of grow other stuff from the yuck, and it's just not a, it's not a long-term situation that's good. Okay. So, do you want to? Why don't you get into your story for this week? Um, this one, this one's kind of heartfelt because it's something that um, we found out later through kind of looking at the science of it, and. My, my father uh, was in Vietnam, and he was exposed to a lot of compounds out there, one of them being Agent Orange. Um, the problem with Agent Orange is they used it to kind of burn vegetation uh, against a lot of the guerrilla fighters in Vietnam, and so it was something that, you know, they used... Probably, uh, just like a lot of things, is there was no science behind, well, yeah, we kind of put it next to him for a day, and everybody seemed to wake up the next morning, so it should be okay. Okay. Well, there was no acute hazard, so they didn't just, you know, they didn't walk by it one day and keel over. It's a chronic exposure, and, you know, uh, there's a lot of, uh, how to say, it's not necessarily the most scientific proven, so I'm not going to sit there and say that, that it's anything other than the fact that when you look back, my, my father, you know, a couple of years ago, all of a sudden, you know, oh, I got a really high PSA score. And, you know, that's kind of not good, kind of cancer-driven kind of score. All right, hang on. Explain, then, explain it to Fred. PSA score. Well, PSA is uh, uh, a PSA score, as it gets higher, is going to lead to prostate cancer. Okay. So basically, Agent Orange, when they've looked back to Vietnam vets and there was a high exposure to Agent Orange, people's PSA scores were high, and it's not uncommon for them to go through what's called the Widowmaker heart attack, which is a very specific heart attack, lower part of the heart. And like he specific went, to Vietnam veterans, or just the specific type of heart attack? Uh, no, it's just a kind of. Okay. Um, it's a kind of heart attack where. You know, it's one of those ones that if they don't have your chest cracked open on the operating table, they are not going to revive you. Gotcha. But how to say that chronic exposure 
or the exposure to it over time led to a higher PSA score, led to uh, a heart attack, and that's been something that's been documented and true to a lot of Vietnam vets, but it wasn't something that they just were exposed to one day. They were exposed to during a period of time, and over time, the cause of what happened to them was, well, my father died at 69. Uh, appeared to be in pretty good shape. I mean, me being a doy guy, he wasn't a big guy, you know, really wasn't anything wrong with him, but you know what? He's not walking around the earth right now. And and you think you, they can attribute that to... Yeah, there's enough causal information, but my point is a lot of things we don't we don't understand what the long-term exposure to. I mean, uh, there's science out there that say, you know, don't set your cell phone on, you know, parts of your body because over time microwaves can be damaging to, uh, you know, body mass. Right, know? like I remember seeing a... Dateline or 2020 or one of those type of shows when the Nokia cell phone was was yeah. big that had the big antenna that sat right on the side of it. Yeah. And they were finding tumors on people's brains that were in the exact shape of the cell phone. And, you know, a lot of those companies have lawyers that will, you know, they'll, they'll sit there and say, oh, it wasn't us. There's no way that that could be. <laughs> it's yeah. in the shape of a damn cell phone yeah. on my brain. It's like bullshit. Come on, man. But again, that's something. It just did, it doesn't didn't happen when you know. If everybody accepted one phone call off of Nokia, everybody from about I don't know late nineties through two thousand and five would be just yeah. comatose dead. Yep, yeah, from playing the snake game. Yeah, right. This is a good game. At least those phones would last forever. You, you yeah, throw fun. it off the top of a building, bounce on the ground, still talk on it the next day in the charge battery. Charge it on Monday. <laughs> charge it, you know, you might, you might maybe Saturday charge it again for yeah. an hour. Yeah. <laughs> charge it for 15 minutes, you're back for three days. Yeah. yeah. No, that shit doesn't happen anymore. Nope. All right. So... Anyways, back to kind of the main points of talking these types of hazards. So, do you want to use, like, maybe the Aaron Brockovich story to kind of help define the difference between acute versus chronic hazards to kind of really nail this thing down? Well, I mean, anybody that's seen that, I, I, I like to refer to that story or that movie because, you know, first of all, everybody knows the actress. Yeah, Julia Roberts. Kind of hot, you know, so... You kind of got her kind of running around a Texas town trying to get people to come out and talk about a situation which was basically, you know, a groundwater contamination as it related to a chemical plant. And, you know, that's something that, again, they didn't walk out one day, drink a glass of water, and drop over. It was something that happened over a period of time. It took years and years to kind of go wait a second why in a very specific geography do we have people that are dying with a very specific type of cancer in specific age groups blah 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 and all of a sudden you go hmm Erin Brockovich she being she wasn't even an attorney she was like a paralegal right and she runs around. She with a push-up bra. With a push-up bra, yeah. Right, right on. <laughs> but she finally puts together that, wait a second, there's something here. And these assholes did it. And wait a second, 
I think they might have known that they did it. You know, it's it's the whole Philip Morris thing, you know? Yeah. Yeah, there's probably a million cases of it out there that, like, getting back to the, the last episode about fall protection is that blood and guts write the standards, so, like, you kind of see the effect of what happened, or you see power plants. It's, it's, or... e- it's easy when all of a sudden they show you with a nail shot through somebody's eye you're like oh my goodness i need to wear my safety glasses right it's harder to have somebody in a you know a situation where they walk in and they can't really see it they can't really smell it taste it uh but it's getting into their bloodstream and over time kind of rotting them from the inside out until all of a sudden starting to chisel 15 years later they drop over and they're like what the hell happened to ted yeah or you're talking i mean even not necessarily life and death I know in some cases it is life and death, but like you find that a lot with like a, a hearing program that like a same, guy's same thing. doing the same job over and over again. Huh? It's not hurting his ears, huh? not hurting his ears. Huh? Slowly but surely, huh? Starts you're doing your stone cold. Yeah, you but uh, what? Yeah, but that's exact great point there. Is it doesn't have to be a chemical noise. It's it's a sound wave. You you can't see it. Right. You can't smell it. You know, we've all been exposed. You know, anybody that, you know, was listening to And Justice for All, you know, the Metallica album back in the 90s, you know, was, you know, kind of subjected to it because we had our headphones cranked up. We're probably above that threshold of 85 decibels, kind of rocking out. And now when our kids go to call us by name, we're walking around the backyard like a lost, you know, some lost dog. Because yeah. we can't hear anymore because, again, we were exposed to something. It did damage over time. We didn't listen to it one time right. and wake up deaf. It was something that happened over time. That had we been not a dumbass and donned our personal protective equipment, you know, in that case, hearing protection, or put a engineered control in by turning the damn thing down just enough, you know... N- Enough to rock out. Right. Enough you can still rock out and get laid, but yeah, other than yeah. that. But not so much that all of a sudden, you know, your kids or your grandkids are talking to you, and you're like, I can't hear the words that are coming out of your mouth. Right. Yeah, probably guys that are mowing the lawn, just like oh. steady engines, like, you know, different types like that. It doesn't take much. doesn't take much. And, you know, back to your point is sound. It's not something that a lot of people think about, and we're surrounded by those. Yeah, it's not painful. Yeah, if you you know, if you look at the sun once a day, in probably weeks, months, years, you're probably not going to be able to see. And yeah. it wasn't the first time that you know, a couple couple weeks ago when we had that uh, that the eclipse. total eclipse of the sun, not a total eclipse of the heart, right. total eclipse of the sun. You know, how many? I mean. Every dumbass on the planet wanted and to look up. And I need up. you now, tonight. What? Ah. Wanted to look up at it. Yeah. I and, peeked. I took a peek. Uh, yeah, well, I mean. Who, <laughs> like who a real who, asshole, who, I took a peek and who, I was like, ah! <laughs> who did? Because they're right, you know, they say eclipse and, you know, you kind of look up. Oh, man, didn't they just say that on the news for last yeah. month not to look at it? Yeah, they had like that guy in Oregon that like 1960 <laughs> looked up at the sun and he turned, it was blind for the rest of his life. I still take my chances and take a quick peek. Yeah, just a quick. That's not gonna hurt me. <laughs> yeah, it's a uh, yeah, probably vibrating tools. Like that'd be another like good example. We're just using those yeah. using those vibrating tools over and, and over. And all of a sudden, they're again. like, I don't know. I have. To I can't grip it. my fork. Yeah, I can't can't pick up my dinner. Speaking of that, my father in law, 
um, has been a mechanic his uh, his entire life. That's what he is. He's in mm-hmm. his about in his sixties now. He's got terrible arth- arthritis, and he uses those like cu- they're like cushions, like a cushion that like sneaks over the top of silverware, so you can get a good grip onto it. Like so you can't kind grab like onto the old metal man grip. <laughs> yeah, looks like I use a roll of carpet under it. Yeah. <laughs> yep, yeah, it's like you're grabbing onto a Snickers bar to putt. Yeah, if not, maybe even the king size. All right, so I guess so. We're saying you don't need an anvil to fall on your head to get hurt, like. Oh, and that's that's the cute thing that we're all driven to when we look at personal protective equipment. We look at the yeah, we're not the coyote violence and bloodshed. Violence and bloodshed. We're looking for something that's going to hit and it's going to be, you know, you know. Every day we're in the war of life, and some of us are not going to be killed by just straight gunfire. Yeah, it's going to be things that happen over time or things that we subjected ourselves to. And it can be things that we can see. It can be things that we can't see. But at the end of the day, it's something that that compromises our, whether it's our ability to see. Maybe it gives us, you know, we grow grapes out of the neck. We have some situation that whether it's, you know, whether it's a cancer or whether, um, you know, it can be any number of things. I mean, we can do it ourselves in diet. I mean, you know, you sit there and you walk around and you see, you know, how the hell did we end up with this epidemic of uh, diabetes? Well, you know, any dumbass can kind of figure out high fructose corn syrup's probably not the best thing to ingest. And if you sit there and ingest it, you know, eating them Snicker bars and, you know, I'm, I'm kind of heavy and I need to pay attention to what I'm doing. And that takes the fact that... Uh, Somebody told me through science, hey, dumbass, don't eat high fructose corn syrup. Change your diet. Eat some green stuff. Eat a vegetable. It's bad for you. You're getting fat. Yeah, like, yeah. It's like, it wasn't like a, a, a slow thing either. Like You see yourself going down that line, getting heavier and heavier, and it's like, I know what needs to happen to stop this, but... But I'm not going to do it. I'm not even going to pump the brakes. What the hell? Let's yeah. roll through the stop sign. <laughs> let's see what happens. Yeah. Not all even right. going to yield. Not even, no, no brakes. Yep. So, all right. Let's spill the beans then. How can we avoid risk? What do you think? How can we avoid risk? Well, the first thing that we have to do is we kind of got to be real with ourselves. We need to pay attention to what's going on and look at what we're being exposed to. Um. Anytime you walk into, let's go a construction site, great example. And the reason that I say construction site is, you know, a lot of people go to a job that every day the job that they go to looks pretty close to the job the day before. The environment's pretty much the same. Right. Especially for long stretches of time. Yeah. Construction is something that today... We're building a road. Tomorrow we may be building a building. We yeah. may be on the second floor of the building. We may be on the third floor of the building. We may be putting, uh, you know, different things in different places and creating hazards that A wasn't there today, B won't be there tomorrow, but C will be something else that we didn't even think about, you know, the day before yesterday. Okay. So, you know, a lot of it's uh, awareness and paying attention to the fact that variables change. Um, We may introduce a new chemical into a production process that we haven't haven't used before. And, you know, 
some some uh, engineer comes out of Iowa State and kind of marches down there and goes, "Hey, man, we need to use this to cut the paint." And everybody's like, "Oh, that's great! What do we use?" I'll just pour it in there. Oh, it's great. Well, nobody pays attention to the MSDS that says, "Hey, if you don't use the personal protective equipment, you will grow grapes out of your neck." Right. So, would you say that the the first step? It's going to be a risk assessment. Yeah, it's paying attention to what's going on around you. Yeah. And if you don't know, don't just go, you know, hey, man, you know, I've walked around this earth for a long time just trying not to pay attention to stuff because I just, you know, Rather, uh, if I don't know, it won't hurt me. Yeah, it won't hurt me. Keep your head in the dirt or yep. head in the sand. Yeah, you can't have the little ostrich, you know, burying your head in the sand and acting like nothing's going to hurt you. It's kind of a, it's kind of a bullshit way to go through it because you're, got, you're not going to end up with the best uh, outcome. Okay. So we're saying not only probably, I don't know, for a lot of people that are listed in this that are safety-specific people, you're maybe making a risk assessment for your staff, but they probably also need to be making personal risk assessment for themselves. Like Correct. that's something yeah. they need to I train. Mean, we all employ, uh, how to say, most companies have people that are paid to kind of do risk assessments and go, what are we doing? Yeah. But... Every person has an obligation to themselves and their families to make sure that they're a second set of eyes. Yeah. And any safety director or risk manager that you point out, hey, this is a problem that doesn't stop and address that, they're not, they're a potential dumbass of the week because they're putting <laughs> they're putting somebody in the harm's way and making a situation that's going to compromise somebody's family or an outcome to them. Okay. So then the next step would be PPE, right? So that's going to be after you make the risk assessment. Well, after you make the risk assessment and you go, well... Or maybe we, maybe we start I, even before PPE, maybe we should start with training. Yes, tra- training is coming in from the standpoint of... Um, well, let's, let's, let's put one thing in there before that is... Okay. Let's say we realize, hey, this, is, this can potentially hurt us. Well, we should stop and go, well... Man, do we really got to do that? Right. Can we engineer that out? Can you know? Can we put a fan here in here or a vent system that kind of pulls this away from us so we don't even have to sit in you know this funk and uh, you know have that potential? So you know, engineering controls can come in. You know, after we've sat there <coughs> and done a hazard assessment and figured out what can hurt us, and we go, well, this can hurt us. Well, can we figure out how to get it out of there? Right. And a lot of people don't spend a lot of time trying to engineer stuff out. They just kind of go, well, no, that's just that's what we've done. That's how we've always done it, or that's the only way to do it. And we don't try to take those engineer controls. If we can't engineer it out, obviously, you know, it's kind of like in the Crusades. Nobody would have wore body armor if they didn't think that they were going to go to battle. Right. So if we have PPE on, we've gone, you know what? Kind of looked around there. There's some people over here that want to hurt me. Yeah. And I think I'm going to have to go fight them because I can't run from them. Because yeah. we believe we believe in what we believe in and we're going to try to eradicate those. So since we're going to go into battle and we think we might be able to die, we're going to put on our body armor and march, march into battle. Yeah, and now do we know how to wear that PPE correctly. Well, like, yeah, that's all that's always that's where the training comes into it is 
Um, how many times do you have to see somebody, whether it's, you know, hearing something as easy as hearing protection and, you know, people are kind of just kind of putting the earplug up to their ear and letting it kind of expand because they're like, well, Larry, the safety director, he's an asshole and he says we have to wear this. I have to wear this, so I'm wearing it. I've got the... Got the stuff in. It's touching my ear. It's touching my ear, so it should be doing what it's supposed to. Right. Well, no, it's a device that's been designed to do something specifically if it's worn in a very specific manner. Right. Not specific, specific. And, you know, we just don't do it. And that becomes from a training standpoint. It can be things like, you know, if we're wearing a respirator, training people, well, this is the respirator that you need to wear, and we're going to teach you how to, to put it on. We're going to teach you how to maintain it. And you know what? What the hell? While we're doing it, why don't we make sure it fits right? Yeah. <laughs> why the hell not? Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, that's the thing is safety is, you know, it's, it's pretty uh, self-explanatory if you really sit there and think about it. It's yeah. sitting there just going, no, nothing's, nothing's going to hurt me. You know, it's it, when we break out into Superman bulletproof shit, then we end up making some bad decisions. So, identifying, we've identified it. We said, here's our here's our body armor that we're gonna wear. Yeah. Um, I probably you know should put the breastplate on my breast, not my ass, so that you know uh, I'm protecting my ass. But you know, I get stabbed in the chest. Oh, I'm dead. Sorry. You right. know, they didn't tell me that. Well. They should tell it, and you should put it on. Gotcha. So I know one thing about every time we do like a, a training class or something that I've done with you, you kind of always start with the box. And like what people like tend to do is to get their thing out of the box, toss the box over their head, it goes there. But there's instructions that come in that box. Usually everything that you buy anymore has a lot of packaging material, and there's usually like this black and white piece of paper and it's usually in like five different languages because they're like, hey, this is important. Pay attention <laughs> right. to this. And, you know, inherently, it doesn't matter what it is. Like you say, they rip it out. They're like that kid, you know, on Christmas morning. They're so excited to get it. Uh, and they rip it out of the package. It's like, hey, man, it's a, just a pair of earmuffs. Yeah. Chill out. And they rip it open and nobody breaks out that thing that says, well, this doesn't work if you don't do this. Right. And, again, obviously the company that made it felt that they had a legal obligation to explain it a certain way, and we're just not going to pay attention to it. All right. So, once again, chronic and acute. So, chronic, we're not just talking about the chronic. No, not... We're not not, talking that chronic. No, not Dre's chronic. And you're not super acute. (laughs) Different types, but... So, anyways, back on task. It's time... For our favorite segment, the dumbass of the week. It's the dumbass of the week. Fictional name, once again. Let's call this guy Sven. He's European. Yeah, he doesn't speak a little bit of broken English. <laughs> a little bit of broken English. He's adorable. He yeah. goes to the bar at night. He's got no problems. No, none whatsoever. So Sven, tall, handsome, blonde. What's Sven? What does what Sven do? You remember? Well, Sven is, you know, like you said, he's he's this person that he's not the sharpest knife in the drawer, you know. And, you know, he came from Eastern Bloc Europe, you know, right after they tore down the wall. 
and kind of missed that whole late 70s outbreak of asbestos. And this, you know, this, this guy, the dumbass of the week, nobody's told him, and he didn't do any research, but he would warm his lunch up. And this is, this is actually a true story. When he would warm his sandwich up, he was, uh, with his torch, would put his sandwich bread on top of a piece of asbestos and warm his sandwich up. Not thinking about the fact that, you know, ingesting asbestos, you know, whether you're touching it or whether you're breathing it, um, anybody that's been up after probably about 945 has seen a whole plethora of, you know, if you if you had a, you know, a family member that worked in such and such, you need to shoot, sue the shit out of such. <laughs> it, it's just out there, and it's, and it's stuff that, again, people didn't pay attention to. Yeah, the law office is a dumbass and turd. Yeah, but the, hey, man, they've got a class action shoot with multi-billions of dollars to, you know, to reward you from dying. That, that sounds really worth it. You know what, Fred? Nobody gives a shit who the richest person in the graveyard is. They don't really care. There's no measure. I mean, I guess you can have like a big, a big statue with you on a horse, and, you know, being happy. But you know, yeah. nobody celebrates that shit. Who cares? Yeah. Funny enough, that was something I just heard. I think they were doing a, a study. It was on Lorne Michaels, the the guy that started Saturday Night Live. Okay. And so they were doing like a, a study on super super successful people. This has got nothing to do with really what we're talking about, but it leading to what you just said, like they said that you cannot like keep their interest. Like they're they're all about doing what they want to do. They're going to be successful. They they have tasks at hand. They make a list. They're following through on it. But the one way that you can get to them is their mortality. Yes. Like if you have a way that I can make, I got this pill. It'll make you live five years longer. That's oh. a that's a way that you can get at those guys because they're like, all this great shit that's happening to me my whole life is all so awesome. It can't end. I gotta keep it yeah, going. Yeah, yeah. So if it's a pill, I'm staying on life's roller coaster. Yeah, or whether it's Ted William, yeah. whatever he died from. Yeah, that's a uh, something. But back to back to Sven. So he knew there there was pl- there was problems with what he was doing. Well, he may not have, but somebody. Somebody, somebody helps Sven some, out. Somebody should have gone, Sven, you're being a dumbass. Yeah. So when we talk about the dumbass of the week... You can be an ignorant dumbass. You can be an ignorant dumbass. But hopefully, uh, you know, in this day and age, we've surrounded ourselves with people that give, you know, have a, even if it's a low level of give a shit, even a minor level of give a shit, would say, hey, Sven, that's bad. <laughs> Come on, Sven. Sven, be better, my man. So really, in a circumstance like this, when someone's ignorant, they have to rely on the people around them we owe to it. tell we them. Owe it to, we owe it to, you know, it, we don't have to live in this damn kumbaya world. We don't have to, you know, everything doesn't have to be a hug fest. But at some point in time, we owe it to the people that we work in and around to go, you know, I might know a little bit more than you, and I'm pretty sure that I read or I heard on the TV last night that you're not supposed to do that. Yeah. And I'm going to tell you, Sven, <laughs> don't be a dumbass. Yeah, don't be a dumbass. So, all right, so moving on. This week we're going to go through uh, Dave's email again, 
and we're going to answer Those some questions. Those things keep coming, Jim and Kirkins. The emails keep piling up. That bastard that came up with that. But if you have a question that you would like to submit or like to have us answer here on the show, um, send me an email. It's fred at quadcitysafety.com. Reach out to us on any of the social media platforms. So once again, we're on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn, at Quad City Safety. Search Quad City Safety. It'll show up. You can use the hashtag. Don't use the hashtag. We'll read it, and we'll answer it on the show. So please hit us up. Number one, we're having eye injuries, even though we're wearing safety glasses. Well, safety glasses is generic. So basically, safety glasses you know, kind of came out through the... Uh, what was the Christmas movie? A Christmas story. You'll shoot your eye out! Yep. Well, you know, obviously you know that there's a projectile that can hit the eye. That's that's basic rule number one. Well, what does that mean? Well, we kept the BB from hitting our eye, but what else is going on around? And, you know, typically, whether it's an industrial or construction situation, um there's a large majority of eye injuries that still happen with people wearing some level of eye protection and it can be metal shards or dust that gets around the glasses that's why you've seen kind of the uh, the uh, charge forward with the gasket style glasses so you know there's other things that can complement that polycarbonate safety glass that everybody's been wearing um, and again keep dust uh it could be okay i'm I'm wearing safety glasses but i'm dispensing a chemical wait a second that chemical is bad what is it and you know i mean i've done it myself you know meaning i had my sunglasses on i was working on the pool you know and i'm i'm pouring chlorine and anybody who's poured chlorine into a pool knows that that stuff will splash right and all of a sudden you know I can be the dumbass of the week myself because uh, it wasn't too many years ago that I took a good little chlorine dip in the eye, and it was, you know, I had my sunglasses, not my safety glasses on, but same thing is, oh, wait a second, kind of kept, if somebody had shot a BB at my eye, might have kept that out, but it didn't keep the fact that, you know, a little bit of chlorine hits my brow, kind of drips down because I'm kind of a sweaty guy, gets yeah. in my eye, and next thing you know, I'm half blind in my right eye for, you know, a month and a half while that's all healing. Yeah. No bueno. All right. No bueno at all. Question number two. Oh, you know what? In what you just said on question number one, gasket-style glasses. Yeah. Is that... Okay, so you're talking like a foam-lined glass well, that we've seen, or are there other, there, there's other you, types? You have all kinds. I mean, you have a, just a goggle. And what's so the goal? The goal, goal right. is that secondary hazard, meaning you know, we know that we can have some level of projectile. That's the main reason to wear a safety glass. You okay. know, obviously, don't, we don't want to aim the nail gun at our face and start you know, pulling the trigger. Right. But it's, um, again, let's say that uh, dust can accumulate on the, the uh, part of a hard hat in, in a, uh, a face shield situation that then kind of filters down off the brim, bounces off our safety glasses, and gets in our eye. So that can be particulate matter, metal shards. Um, Levels it, of dust. It can be, yeah, it can just be regular, regular yeah. dust. But, again, it's keeping... Uh, kind of that secondary hazard 
that if we did our risk assessment the right way the first time and kind of went, yeah, we can, we're keeping that out, but oh, wait a second, we're over here pouring chemicals. Maybe we should really think about when we're dispensing chemicals, that safety glass needs to be upped a little bit into a goggle, you know, a, a, a splash type goggle, which they do make. I mean, it's, it's, it's not 19, you know, 26 and everybody's running around ignorant. We know that there's stuff out there. We've identified it and, and kind of use that product. Okay. All right. Question number two, they're telling me, (laughs) Hey Dave, they're telling me we're over the allowable limit for hearing protection. How do we figure out what we need? Well, when you sit there and look at it, the the only real, real way is to use a disseminator or sound level meter to kind of really figure out what that exposure is. Because, you know, we trigger at that 85 decibel. So there's an amount of noise that, you know, it's okay. So if we're listening to our, our Beethoven on 91.9 that's coming from the community college and everything's good we don't necessarily need any hearing protection Beethoven could rock it though could if he needed to back in his day if he needed to with his wig but all of a sudden we step up and becomes a little bit louder when we have all these little cilia in our ears that can or uh, become damaged at that trigger point of uh, above 85 decibels so First of all, is we got to figure out what our exposure is to. How much? We can have a little bit of anything. How much? Well, most science has figured out don't eat a lot of lead. You know, if you're, you know, don't chew on paint chips because you might have a lead exposure and over time, just, you know, not, not good things are going to happen. Did you eat paint chips as a kid? But uh, <laughs> probably a little bit of a <laughs> Why? Yeah. Tommy boy. Well, anyways, go, go ahead. But. Um, again, it's paying attention to, you can have a little bit of anything. I mean, if you took anybody's blood right now, they're going to have a little bit of lead in it. Uh, any environment that we're walking around, if you walk outside, there's, there's some level of noise out there. Noise being, you know, a measurable thing is at that trigger point, we need to figure out how loud is it. So... If we're sitting there walking around jet engines or something like that to where the decibel rating is this huge amount, we've got to figure out how to bring that down to where we're not subjected and we're not killing our ears with that that high concentration of noise. And, you know, a lot of times when you sit there, you know, if you don't open up the box and throw away the directions or not read the box, they'll they'll usually have a uh, noise reduction rating that's on the box. And, again... That NRR that's on the box is perfect situation. So if all of a sudden I'm going to use big round numbers, is uh, the NRR is 30. That doesn't mean that you can add 30 to 85 yeah. and then get off. So anything that's below 125 decibels, I'm fine. I'm good. Does not work that way. Okay. Because, again, that's a lab situation where... Uh, they've tested it. Well, do I have a narrow ear canal? Do I have a large ear canal? Did I insert it into my ear correctly? Because, you know, when we talk about hearing protection, the biggest problem is, again, we kind of take that little marshmallow and set it up on the side of our ear just because, you know, this 
safety director Fred said, oh, you got to wear your hearing protection. Okay, I'm going to put it in, but I'm not going to put it in correctly. So then he's not getting the NRR that he should. Okay. So when we look at that NRR, I usually say, you know, divide it by two and subtract seven. So that, you know, if we're at 30, 15, 15 minus 7, so all of a sudden we're in the mid-90s, low mid-90s of exposure, regular disposable plug. Is that what is that what Dave says, or is that what somebody that matters says? Well, I'd like to believe <laughs> that I matter, you know. Maybe I don't, but, you know, in my own little world I do. But, uh, you know, there's, there's tests out there that are, there's, there's language out there that suggests that that's a best practice. How about that? Okay, cool. All right, question three. What in the hell are these numbers on my gloves? Oh, boy. You know, anybody that's seen hand protection used to be just some kind of trade name, and they thought if anything was yellow that it had, you know, it was Kevlar, even though it wasn't. Could have, could have been Kevlar, might not have been Kevlar. But when we look at gloves today, there are standards that things are tested to. And it's not uncommon for there to be cut scores, like they just revised the cut score. Um, uh, that you, when you look at uh, uh, the United States, refers to different cut scores than like the European. So. Um, EN388, which is a cut standard, or it's a standard for testing gloves. And there will be four numbers underneath this EN388. And the, the thing to always remember there is act professionally. A-C-T-P. So abrasion, cut, tear, puncture. So the, those four scores, and there will be a number. One is low, four is high. So when you're looking at those numbers that's on that glove, that kind of tells you how that glove performs. Um, if it's a cut standard in the United States, it will be you know, an A1 through an A9. So an A1, a little bit of cut resistance. You know, Everything has cut resistance. Even the human skin has some level of cut resistance. Right. But it's how it's been tested. So... When you look at a glove, it can be that. It can be um, a thermal rating. So there's tests that measure, you know, how hot uh, can something be to where I pick up. There's even standards that test the uh, how they conduct heat. So or how how uh, the you know just like an R factor on a house is like a lot of winter gloves will have, I believe it's, don't quote me on this, but it's like EN511, but it, it uh, tests that if I'm picking up something cold, how long until my hand's cold right. kind of stuff. So, um, again, depending on what the number is as it relates to the standard, there's all those numbers and things that are on the back of those gloves all mean something, and typically the directions and the box have what all that stuff is, and if you don't know it's always good to ask your safety professional anyway. Cool. All right, so that, that'll do it for those questions. Um, okay, now you mentioned earlier that you had not seen the newest season of Narcos. No, I have not. 
Did you see the first two seasons with Pablo Escobar? I'm like halfway through season two, I think. Okay. Well, in this in this newest season, um, and this isn't going to spoil anything. This is no big uh, spoiler alert that needs to happen. But there's a scene in there that I guess the Cali cartel who's a little bit in season two, but they come over to season three. They're the ones that kind of end up pushing Pablo Escobar out. So ends up in his demise. I'm not breaking any news. This is history. So, um, so that's that's real, huh? That's real. Yeah, Pablo Escobar actually actually did all that shit. Yeah, right. yeah, it's super dangerous. So what they had was they figured out that um, because the tanks they had chlorine tanks, and they figured out that the tanks were hazardous. And so when they crossed the border, no one's opening up those tanks and seeing what's inside because it's all marked hazardous. So they end up. That's how they start moving their drugs, is they empty these chlorine tanks, stuff all their drugs in there, and then it can get across the border. Pretty wise, pretty wise. Pretty, that's pretty crafty, eh? Yeah, yeah. So anyways, they, what they were doing was they were emptying those tanks into the sewers. So they were emptying the tanks <laughs> into the sewers in, I don't know, in Colombia or Mexico or wherever this was happening in probably, what, the, the 80s? Yeah, this something is, like that. Yeah, this is going in through there. It's coming in through people's sinks. It's coming in to people's house. And so children are getting sick from this. And so they're probably going to have long-term effects. They're probably going to have uh, some acute. They're probably going to have some chronic Yeah, if you, if you things snuff, from a, snuff up enough uh, of that, I'm pretty sure it's not good for yeah, your Yeah, it's lungs. like four deaths. So when we started talking, would you consider that acute? An acute hazard, or would you consider that a chronic hazard? Or is that well, going to be well, both? those four little children that died, I'm going to call it an acute. You're going to call that acute. Yeah. So maybe the people that die 10 years from now, it might be a chronic hazard. So Depends on what it is and how long, and you know, there's a lot of science to, to, to argue over there. So leading to chronic, one of my favorite uh, CDs of all time was Dr. Dre's Chronic 2001. 2001, no, I was more the, the 90s. The OG Chronic? Yeah, yeah, right. So you're the nothing but a G thing, Chronic? Yeah, baby. Did that thing, now did that thing get played when you were at Murray State? Was that Murray State time? Oh, the cl- Chronic? Classic. I mean, that was one roll down the windows and, you know, turn it up as much as you can. Hopefully it bumped and we loved every bit of it. Yep, Chronic 2001, that was more when like Eminem started coming into the mix. Yeah, that was when that he was, got popular. That wasn't, that wasn't old school. It's kind of old school now. No, I mean, if you old listen school to, now, but you know, you listen to chronic or chronic. You listen to classic rock stations. Old now. school. When and, he went, he was the guy that hung out. We go hang out on the porch. We're at old school. I don't know. I he was read. a character in one of those uh, Eminem. Fr- no, like Friday or something like that. Remember Ice Cube. Not Doctor well, Dre. No, remember he kind of. He, had, he we're gonna hold oh. this hood on the porch or whatever. Smokey? Yeah, and his mom would yell at him or whatever. Smokey! Yeah, right on. Yep. So, anyways, that was a that was a pretty dry one, but I guess that's it for today, episode three. Dave, you got anything else? Anything else? Yeah, anything else? Yes, you want to talk about? Not right now. All right, cool. So, as much as we love hanging out with you guys, we gotta go get the kids. We have a shit ton of emails to reply to. They're gonna keep filling up. So we appreciate you guys giving us the chance to tell stories, make a little bit of difference when it comes to raising awareness over these kinds of preventable injuries or worse, deaths. Don't want deaths. We don't like deaths. 
So we'll be back at it again next week with more safety stories. If you can't wait for more of Dave and Bacon's safety tales, you can visit the Quad City Safety blog. Hit us up on any of our social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn. Please leave us comments, questions, any feedback on um, acute hazards, on chronic hazards. If you have any questions, a question about something that we brought up in the episode. Hell, if you are lonely and just need somebody to talk to, Fred's always there for you. A companion. It'll probably alert to my phone. I'll probably be right there for whatever your needs are. So really, whatever route works for you. Do not wait until tragedy strikes. Safety has no quitting time. To become an advocate. Be an advocate. Be an advocate for safety. And for crying out loud, if you see somebody doing dumbass shit, blow the whistle. Please blow the whistle. (laughs) Point them out and let us know that they could be our next dumbass of the week. Ah, if you have a dumbass of the week, we would love to talk about that (laughs) also. Yep, so, all right, until next time. Thanks. Thanks for listening in to Dave and Bacon's Safety Tales, brought to you by Quad City Safety. Send us your questions on Facebook, LinkedIn, or Twitter at Quad City Safety. Hashtag Safety Tales. Or email them to Fred at quadcitysafety.com. He's the guy keeping this mess of a show in line. And if you like the show, please rate and review us on iTunes. It's a kick-ass way to show that you care about safety.